you're going to receive different types of feedback at different stages of the process. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 78. And in this episode, I welcome back Dr. Scott Burris. Scott is the provost at United States University. And if you didn't hear our earlier conversation, that's episode number 10, on being ABD and destroying limiting beliefs, I'll have that in the show notes below. But I've been getting requests to do a podcast specifically on the oral defense, and Scott was so generous to offer to come on and talk about this important part of the journey. So Scott, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. So the questions that I've been getting are things like, can you explain what it is and how to prepare for it? So we were chatting before we started recording, and I thought it would be useful to start with what some universities call the proposal or preliminary oral defense which happens before the final oral defense. Many people have two and they don't realize that. Yeah. And, you know, the first thought that comes to mind is there is a difference between the two. And I think the primary difference is with the final, I kind of think of it more as an oral presentation than an oral defense because you're at the point in your journey where you shouldn't be having to, quote, defend anything. You should be at a place where... And you will be at a place where you can articulate your research process, what methodology you employed, what your findings are, and what your implications are for the field and for future research. And so in a lot of ways, because it is an oral presentation, I think it could be very helpful and important for that final one to practice, make sure your presentation and your discussion is very precise and targeted, you know, to those things I just mentioned, and really kind of try to see it more as a celebration and culmination of the journey, rather than you having to fight for the next stage. Because a lot of that, quote, fighting for the next stage occurs earlier, right? That's, you know, grappling with IRB, that's trying to find participants, understanding the analysis process. There's a lot of struggle along the way. And the final oral defense should it be that? And is it in most cases? I think I've probably sat in on maybe somewhere around a thousand defenses. And I think twice I've seen them go sideways, two times in the last 15 years. So that's the one thing is just to sort of breathe into it, you know, try to find whatever Zen you find and just really uh, in a positive way engage that process. Let's pause there because you bring up such an important point with language. So when we say final defense, right away, I think candidates are feeling apprehensive. They're feeling stressed out. But like you said, at that point in your program, it is really a stage for you to shine. It is a moment for you to display yourself as an expert 
to articulate what you found, to celebrate your findings, whether it's what you thought was going to happen or not, and answer some questions from an interested audience versus the proposal, which we'll get to in a minute, where you may have to be in a position where you're defending why you want to do what you want to do. So to just focus on the final presentation, let's call it presentation, what are some of the things you tell students to do in order to be ready for the questions that they will get? Or maybe you want to share some questions you've sat on so many. What are some of the common questions that you would see asked? Every single student that I have worked with, they approach it with that apprehension. So I definitely start off when I prepare students for the NIST is to say, you know, look, all the things I just said, this is a celebration, it's a culmination of your journey, almost instantly diffuses the anxiety. So the other thing I tend to say is that you know your research better than anybody. Nobody knows it better than you. And so when you get questions, you shouldn't be combing through your paper to answer those questions. Instead, you want to think in terms of reflection, lessons learned. So for example, oftentimes I'll see questions like, if you had to do this over again, what would you do differently? And that could be anything from, I've heard students say, I wouldn't have done this when I was having a baby, or I would have applied quantitative methodology instead of qualitative or vice versa. And here's why. Those kinds of reflections, I think, are typical, as are to what extent if you're a practitioner, how has this process changed your viewpoint or your overall sort of worldview, you might say, as a practitioner, just the research process, the doctoral journey itself. Then things also like what theorists did you find most compelling that informed your findings? What findings are your most salient, the ones that you think are most powerful and impactful potentially for the field? It's kind of like the question of if you're at a cocktail party and had to summarize your research in like a minute on the elevator on the way up, what would you say? What are those key takeaways? I've seen those questions along with things like, what did you find most surprising? If it's a heavily research-based program, maybe flipping it, if this was a qualitative study, what would a logical quantitative study look like or vice versa? In terms of preparing, it's really just having confidence in what it was that you did, right? I mean, these questions aren't meant to trip you up in general. Would you agree? You said after a thousand or so that you've been a part of, two went sideways. These are questions that are truly being asked from a point of curiosity. It's really about the committee engaging in a dialogue with the candidate and, again, having that reflection about what this journey has been like. It's more that kind of thing. And I'll just say the two examples that I mentioned where things didn't go well, in both instances, it was because it was very, very clear that the student didn't actually conduct their research. And so the committee was unable to validate that the student didn't, in fact, conduct their research. And we had to go back to the drawing board in those situations. So assuming that you've conducted your own research, this final presentation shouldn't be something that you stress too much about. Now, we know public speaking is one of the number one fears. So it's rare that I attend a defense where someone doesn't say I'm nervous, but... Being nervous because you're giving a presentation is different than 
being overwhelmed because you're wondering if you're going to pass and all this work that you've done might be just getting tossed out the window. It really is a conversation among colleagues where you get to articulate the year or years of work that you've put into this project. Yeah, well said. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't practice. I have gone to defenses where the paper was awesome and then you get to the presentation and you're so disappointed because they just threw something together and you're pretty sure that maybe they practiced this once or twice. Yeah. No, I and, and not only practice, but try to practice with other people. Maybe I'm a partner or a friend or a colleague. Practice with live people. So this is, is going to be something you'll be doing with other live people. And then also practice by recording yourself, which I know can feel comfortable and weird and awkward, but Trust me, if you record yourself with the video and play it back, you will learn more than anything as regards to preparing for this. And all things going well, you're only doing this once. It's the yeah. last thing you're going to do. So make it a good one. Yeah. Right? Shine. Shine. Do those dress rehearsals. Recruit your family, your friends. Record yourself. Make sure your presentation, sometimes I've just seen people copying and pasting parts of their paper. Do some uh, best practices with PowerPoints. For sure. So if we can pivot to going backwards a bit to the proposal, I think that's a little bit different because in the proposal, you are giving the committee assurance that you are ready and capable of implementing your research methodology, your project, that you have the available sample that you want to get. And often the times with those, not to freak anybody out, I have found that those tend to have more challenges because there might be things that the committee didn't realize or understand when they read the paper versus when they talked to you about it. And the worst case scenario is you identify challenges before you enter the field and you can come up with a plan to address those challenges. So while it can feel more like a defense, that you're defending what you're going to do, it's really a matter of identifying those areas that could be challenging because you never know what's actually going to happen when you get out there, unless you're using pre-existing data or something like that, where, you, where it's, it's predictable what you're going to be able to access. But when you deal with human subjects, it's always unpredictable. I suggest going into that, being really confident in your approach, in your methodology, in your, in your access to the sample, and being open-minded to the committee's feedback because they are experts and have done this before and can give you some guidance to avoid pitfalls that we all experience. And would you recommend, or do you usually, as a best practice, do a dress rehearsal with the students that you mentor? Yes. I do as well. And the thing that I always am sure to tell my students is we know this project so well and we're so embedded in it. And yes, the committee's read it and has given their approval to this written document, but now they're going to hear it in a different way. And I'm always surprised as a committee member that when I'm sitting on these proposal or preliminary defenses that I have questions that I'd never thought of when I was reading the document. So I think sometimes the students are like, well, where was that question earlier? Yeah. 
But it's this interesting phenomenon where you're in this group setting and you're having a real-time dialogue that you start asking questions like, well, wait a second, what if this happens while you're collecting data? How are you going to handle that? I think the key thing is to not be defensive and be open to the feedback that you're hearing. Because let's say you have three committee members. Those are people coming from three different lenses. And so it's expected that you're going to receive different types of feedback at different stages of the process. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And that iterative nature that we talk about a lot on this podcast is just part of the process. So to continue to embrace that. And I loved your suggestion. Don't be defensive. You might even have to write this on a sticky note. Respond rather than react, because at that preliminary or proposal defense, you may be getting questions that feel like, oh, my gosh, maybe this project isn't going to happen, especially if committee members are really digging in deep into some concerns. For sure. And I always say, hey, take this as an opportunity. You've got faculty who have done this before pointing out these potential pitfalls that you may be able to write into your IRB application. Typically, the IRB application comes after this stage on purpose. So you can have this dialogue and you can kind of start crossing the T's and dotting the I's in a way you didn't for the manuscript. For sure. How about any tips or things that you suggest to faculty who are either mentoring students or helping them prep, maybe some best practices, or while you're on the defense, things to do or not do? So oftentimes there might be faculty who haven't done this for very long. They're just beginning to chair, listed on committees. I think a lot of this, these principles that we've talked about apply in that you want to train up faculty to approach it in the way we've talked about. Remind them that this isn't like, you know, a gotcha. It's not a time to go after certain myths that you've had a chance to already opine on. But it really is about, at the proposal stage, identifying areas that could be a challenge to support the students so they're successful in that data collection stage. So thinking about your supportive expertise rather than having to like put the hammer down on somebody. And I've seen it happen in both instances. And I just personally, professionally feel like if you've approved the three chapters, it's not really the time to go on the attack. Instead, it's the time to have a collegiate dialogue with a future member of the academy, a future colleague, and have that collegial conversation in a way that is supportive and instructive. So the take-home messages that I'm getting are, remember, as a candidate, or if you're at the proposal stage, you're almost a candidate. Actually, that's I think that would be interesting to chat about for just a moment. That proposal oral defense, the reason that's so important is because it pushes you into a different status. Yeah, because once your proposal is approved, yeah, you're basically advanced to candidacy, which means that you are moving forward in your pathway to obtain your doctoral degree. Or that it's more about learning the ropes and you're still a student and understanding the process. But then once you have that oral defense at the proposal stage, crossing that line, I think, is a demarcation that's Obviously not as substantive as obtaining your degree, but it's probably second to that. 
It's a huge milestone. So prior, you're a student, post passing your candidate. So whether you're a student or a candidate, practicing, making sure you understand the parameters. Different universities will say things like, we don't want to see more than X number of slides, or we don't want you to talk for more than 30 minutes. Understanding from the faculty perspective, you're going to have time to ask two to three questions, or you're each going to get 10 to 15 minutes, really understanding going into it, what's expected on both sides, and remembering that Again, as a student or a candidate, these people are here to help you succeed. We want to see you graduate. So remember that while you're presenting, while you're defending, and for the faculty to come at it from that perspective of, I'm here to support, I'm here to help, I'm here to uncover potential pitfalls or obstacles that might crop up and solve it now or give them some strategies now versus later. Exactly. So any final words of wisdom or maybe a quote that you share with students who are getting ready to defend? A quote that I really like is this concept of we all you know, stand on the shoulder of giants. Somebody's always come before us. That's the point of that quote. And here again, I think that when you're in this process, well, in fact, you are an expert and an expert in your own study. Keep in mind that your committee have gone before you and they're there to support you and to help you continue along the way. Scott, before we go, I'm going to throw in one last final tip, and that would be to consider doing some sort of grounding exercise that might take the form for you of a run or a workout or some deep breathing. You know, my favorite is humming but something to just get you present in the moment before you start speaking is something that I think is very helpful in terms of just calming the nerves. Love it. Agreed. Well, thanks again, Scott, and have a great rest of your day. I can't wait to have you back again soon. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, I'm wishing you more joy in your journey. The Happy Doc Student Podcast is brought to you by expandyourhappy.com, and you can learn more there. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 